Welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. I'm Pete Clark, your host, The Whispers Guy. It appears that work expands to the time that we give it, and I started to explore how I was investing my time and effort, particularly on Fridays. It's evolved to an explanation and experiment with time, energy, attention and identity, and a mindset shift from I have to to I choose to. So if you're interested in exploring some changes to the way that you invest your time and your energy, if you'd like some tips on the way as you make some changes perhaps to your identity, if you would like the freedom of I choose to, away from I have to, then this is the podcast for you. So welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Freedom Fridays podcast, episode number 44 which is part two of my conversation with Glyn Bailey, author of Unstoppable Woman and founder of Heart of Human. In the second part of our conversation, Glyn shares her thoughts on the difference between female leadership and leadership in general and has a quite a radical take on that and dispels some myths about the premise of working on yourself is selfish. She shares her very generously heart of human framework that's supported in many, many unstoppable women around the world. And as part of that, share some insights about how our feelings are a guidance system to embrace the messiness of life and the power of active hope. Enjoy the second part of my conversation with Glenn Bailey. I'm fascinated about your experience and research with female leadership. How in any way is it different from leadership? It's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's not in any way, shape or form. And it's just one of those things um, where, again, principles of life or marketing or whatever whatever context we want to take on board. Um, When I started my business, it wasn't focused on any gender in particular or any speciality. And then it's, you hear narratives about choose a niche, focus on a particular area, try and do something that's for someone specifically. Because if you're not for someone, you say you're for everyone, but you're Mm. potentially for no one. Mm. So I I made a conscious decision at that time to say, well, okay, it's not that I, what I teach is any different for women versus what it would be for men. But if I was to say, who, who do I best connect with based on my journey and can empathize with deeply, mm. and understand mm. and get in the head of more easily based on the kind of narrative that I know I had about my identity at work, who I thought I needed to be, the, the life that I needed to create. I could have those conversations with the women that I work with from a place of experience and understanding and relatability Mm. but what's fascinating is I probably had it not been just a need to niche so that I could try and target a particular market I probably would have worked with men and I actually really enjoy sharing the content with men but I just haven't yet figured out or Mm. let myself explore the avenue for which I might do that at, the, yeah. at this point in time, I think it's changing. Certainly at the time mm. I chose, it felt like heart 
we're still a step too far into the soft space of leadership. Um, I know, right? It's horrific. I really, yeah. But yeah, trying to pitch what I do to corporates, which I tried for the first year of my business, just yeah. wasn't wasn't connecting. And I thought that narrative, it. narrative, it might be there now, um, but the narrative certainly wasn't there at that time, like holistic coaching and performance coaching focused on whole of person, whole of life, yeah. wasn't like corporate leadership and self-leadership was seen as two different types of leadership. In a way. Yeah, do that self-leadership in your own time. Yeah, <laughs> like still <laughs> the human, like focus on the human and then you'll get all of the stuff that, you know, you want from a performance perspective in the capitalist society that's focused yeah. on driving driving revenue and profits and shareholder value. So, um, yeah. So um, do, do you think women have enough good role models? And do you think yeah, those role yeah. models translate into role models for anyone? I think I've got a, my view on this. It's not so much do they have enough role models. I think you have to be willing to look for them. And I think it's true for it's true for anyone is that what we give attention to grows and we can sit with the narrative of there are not enough women role modeling or there's not enough of a certain type. Mm. But I just have a perspective that if and this is something that recently through my negotiation consulting work was one of the, the key principles there is that for when it comes to negotiation is that you're more equal than you think when you're thinking about the other party that you're negotiating with and where the balance of power lies. But I bring that into life and think we often give role models, celebrities, Mm. uh, people that hold status in society, people who have wealth, um, live in, you know, certain suburbs in Sydney or drive certain cars or have certain, you know, economic benefits versus others privilege to make us think that they're somehow in a different category to who we are and what we're capable of and needing them to be a certain way for us to go oh there's someone like you know that I can aspire to or or the responsibility sits outside of myself for others and I'm in the camp of well who do you want to be first like decide who you actually want to be and the only way you can do that is by tuning in and going inwards to listen to your own heart, uh, Mm. your soul's guidance around what actually really inspires you, where where are you spending your time and energy? And then go and have a look to see if there's anyone that's doing what lights you up out there. And if there isn't, do that. Do that so that you can get to be the role model that says, I had no clue which path I was treading until I just took one step at a time and found myself doing something different that's what I genuinely feel like I've done like I haven't actively gone oh there's a lack of role models and that's what I'm going to be I've just gone what do I want to do with my life and how can I just do what I want to do and then if it helps other people along the way like super um I used to think that I was more altruistic like that I needed to have a more Mm. make a difference 
purpose in life. But I've realized actually, and this is going to sound really selfish, um, the person I need to make a difference to is me. Because if I make a difference to myself and if I can see myself clearly, if I can not hold myself apart from the possibilities of creating the life that I want to be living, then my joy, my energy, my inspiration will inspire others to choose their path. And I think I'd had it confused before that I needed to be of service to other people that I and we we hear that a lot in various business forums don't sell serve and you've got to be there to serve I'm like yeah you are but start with serving yourself first (laughs) fill your own cup like find what it is that sparks joy in your life and then share that because you found something that works for you rather than working from the outside in so I'm flipping the script in Mm. a lot of different areas in my life at the moment even like pulling apart what I've done before and gone, is that true? Or is that just, was it a social a conditioning that I'd picked up from social environments or work environments that made me believe it was true? And again, another false belief that I've taken on, but actually now can choose to disregard and, and move away from. So I'm in the same camp, Glenn. I think we are the instruments ourselves. Yeah. How do you, how would you handle the skeptic that says, you know, working on yourself, that's selfish. Oh, so you want me to work on you? And that's not selfish. <laughs> no, no, sorry. No, I'm joking. I'm, I'm playing with you here. What I'm meaning is when someone says, the skeptic says, yeah. it sounds selfish. I'm like, yeah, it is. And why is that a bad thing? Because... I'm taking responsibility for my happiness myself. I'm not making you or anyone else responsible for my happiness. But if you're saying me thinking about me is selfish, is you asking me to think about you or anyone else less selfish? (laughs) I like the turnaround. Yeah, that's that's that was where I was trying to get to with the hold on a minute when the critic says you're being selfish all right okay yeah I get it I'm being selfish because I'm thinking about me but you want me to think about you and other people and that's not that's not selfish yeah yeah Yeah. you had me do my own transdurational search there (laughs) so um I think it's a good thing if we are selfish not because it means we're less caring or empathetic for others needs mm. but because it means I'm taking radical responsibility for my life mm. for my life my well-being my attitude my creation of wealth my creation of health well-being whatever it is like I am taking responsibility for me and that has meant when it comes to friendships relationships partnerships it's it is, it's everything I'm here to offer then becomes, uncon- sound, sound weird, but becomes yeah. unconditional. Yeah, I get it. Because I'm not looking for anyone to fill my cup or meet me from a place of lack. It comes from a place of going, well, I'm already full and I'm having a really good time. Yeah. So if we want to co-create something together and expand our our impact, our growth, our our journeys by collaborating on things that that bring the best out of each other out for us to play, 
great, let's do that. But like, I don't want to, I don't want to live a life where someone else or community and society is saying, oh, you need to be in service of others. Like, mm. We're teaching each other to be reliant on yeah. other people to meet our own needs. And I'm like, mm, it's, it's a bit screwy. It's not for me. <laughs> Years ago, I think it might have been Jim Rohn, um, one of the first guys in personal development said, and I took it on board and I've, my wife and I have used this uh, imperfectly over the years that I'll look after me for you as long as you look after you for me. 100%. That is exactly the motto. Yes. If we both focus on our happiness for like, I'll be happy for me so that I'm then good for you and you do the same. Like you take care of your happiness. I'll take care of mine. Together we're going to be super happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely, one hundred percent. That is beautifully articulated. Thank yeah. you. So you you're on an eight week online program for yeah. women called Unstoppable Women. So yeah. I'm assuming there are going to be some key messages in that. Yeah. My first question about that is: so what makes women stop? Well, let me flip it around the other way. Unstoppable woman doesn't mean you can't stop because sometimes you have to stop in order to be unstoppable. So unstoppable woman, and this is this is the interesting narrative, is people think, oh, that means I've got to do more. You know, I've got to do more, achieve more, get further ahead. Um, unstoppable woman is about having the wisdom to see when it's necessary to slow down, to go faster, when it's necessary to stop because you're going in a direction that you don't actually want to go it's about recognizing that in order to be unstoppable you have to come home to yourself which is all about being more not doing more so it teaches a lot around tuning in to your intuition uh, how you do that what you're listening for understanding your feelings how they affect your behaviors and then and your thoughts. So most people say, I'll oh, change your thoughts and then ultimately change your reality. I'm like, well, sometimes we have really screwy thoughts, like we all do. So how about I focus on rather than trying to change my thought, which could be much harder than it seems because the spectrum of thoughts is so broad and there's so many different topics that I could be thinking about. Or why don't I focus on my feelings instead? Because my spectrum of feelings is actually quite small. There's a range and it's a it's a much easier range to manage. And I can say, right, I'm feeling angry or, you know, say, for example, I'm in despair. It's a really powerless feeling. So instead of trying to evaluate my thoughts around what's causing the thought of despair and what am I feeling, I'm just going, well, I'm feeling like I'm powerless or I'm in despair what is a better feeling that I can strive for next and it might be blame and it might be something that sounds like that's not a really positive emotion but I'm like there's more power in blaming someone than feeling despair (laughs) so you can so you can move through a emotional guidance system that says each stage so and it's not to say that you're going to sit and blame 
But you might then go to, right, okay, I'm going to go to frustration and I'm going to go to anger and I'm working my way up. But each of those feelings have a sense of energetic power attached to them. And what you're working through them is as you process that is to say, well, ultimately now I've got to the point of acceptance, which is neutral. I can move to contentment and then I can go to seek to joy. But we have this narrative that we're either going to be super happy or we're going to be sad or we should be really like up and never down. And I'm like, well, there's just stages on that. And if you start tuning in and really caring about what you feel, what I've been able to get clients and, and women that have gone through the program is to recognize your feelings are going to tell you significantly faster whether or not you're on track to creating the life that you want to create than your thoughts. Mm, good signal. Tune into that first. Then you get into the habit of feeling, choosing a feeling that you want to feel and then noticing when you're not feeling it and that yep. automatically starts changing your thoughts. So it's mm. feeling first, change your thought, create your reality. Mm. It does worry me a little bit that the whole original intention of the kind of positive psych movement um, has become surface and that people aren't willing to sit in meh, yeah. not willing to sit in, I'm a bit bored today. They've always got to be positive, which, you know, and then that becomes toxically positive and actually buries that stuff even deeper. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I think that's why with the emotional guidance system, it's saying you're just cho- you're just seeking the next best feeling that you can reach on a scale at this point in time. And sometimes, like you know, I even let myself think about revenge if I'm getting really frustrated about <laughs> something. I'm like, oh, revenge is a more powerful emotion. It doesn't mean I'll do anything, but I can imagine something around it, and immediately I've changed my energy, my vibration goes up a level, and then I can go, ah. You're not waste. You're not even worth my time, <laughs> and you move through it. But you, you have to use the whole spectrum of emotions. They're yeah. there to guide, and the the contrast is necessary. Like yeah. we would never feel, and you know this, we'd never feel the joy that we would mm. feel or the elation of a huge win if we didn't have those down moments, those failures, those those parts of our journey that we just wish we didn't have to go through in order to get yeah. the high. But the contrast makes it. I think that's a really good distinction, Glenn, and really helpful for people to, first of all, accept you're not going to go from pissed off to happy in one leap. No way. But what's the next step beyond being pissed off? Yeah. And that becomes this, what I think you said, emotional guidance skill. Yeah. That's yeah. a really, really helpful metaphor and scale, I think, for people to yeah. consider. Yeah, absolutely. I, I noticed that you called your business Heart of Human. Yeah. Uh, and there might not be a, an answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you listen to your heart? Ah, oh, good question. I think it comes back to the same piece is my feelings first rather. Don't than- my feelings come from my head? Parts of them do. <laughs> yeah. When you look in your logic brain, but our emotional system and animal instincts our, our, our emotions are a lot of that is subconscious you know, so it's yes it's a, a part of your brain that you might go from a, um, a neuroscience perspective it's you know it's in your subconscious brain and it's dealing with all of that but I'm kind of going your feelings are that the guidance system to that you know and that allows me to access what I understand about my heart 
um, my business heart of human was one linked to what is the heart of being human and it's messy oh my god life is messy (laughs) being human (laughs) it's messy so it's embracing the mess um and then it linked to the framework that i had created that was the the guidance sort of the foundation for my coaching Mm. model and it Mm. was something that had come up after i reflected back on my own journey from dealing with heartbreak and healing after that period um was me looking back and going well how how did I move through that what did I do Mm. and it was heart but it's an acronym that stands for hope I needed to have hope for a better future I needed to believe in something else was better awaiting me um energy I needed to have the energy to move forwards towards that new future like staying stuck without the energy wasn't going to support me get getting there I needed to take action and aligned action so not action that I felt I should take which is why I'm in such a questioning mode at the moment because I'm like oh I think I've fallen off my own model um aligned action so what do I need to do that helps me to move towards that that aspirational hope that I've got resilience because shit does hit the fan and you need to you need to find ways to navigate life as I said it's messy um and then trust because life is like a game of cards like we can have a good understanding of the odds but there's still a chance you know that we'll pick the wrong one and you know even when we play the best best odds there's a chance we can still lose at it right so you have to trust in the uncertainty that life presents and be willing to to lean into the discomfort that not knowing presents to you and there's a lot of people that find not knowing scary and I would be one of them previously this you know my life was mapped out I'd have kids I'd you know do my thing I'd grow old gracefully with my 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 partner and now I've stopped planning for like what my life needs to look like by certain milestones I've stopped chasing a, a goal in the more um physical sense of here's my achievement here's my achievement because again I felt I realized more recently that I felt like I've been compensating for relationship ending not having kids uh still being single and needing then my business to be my baby and my success method like hey my life isn't completely a failure look I have this successful business and then going, oh, this is like misdirected focus. And what are you doing? What, why are you doing it? So bringing myself back to that trust piece to say, well, actually, now I don't need to set goals around the what. I just need to set my mm. heart to be aligned is the main key thing. My feelings need to feel positive. Mm. And if they're off whack, then I'm going to start sensing my environment and choosing based on what my feelings are guiding me to do it doesn't mean I don't plan but it just means I'm less attached to the outcome so I'm not worried about the outcome I'm really so much more present for the journey Mm. Glenn I think that's a a fabulous framework you've come up with and I I think people more than just women would benefit from it but if if it's okay with you we'll probably put some of that in the show notes so people can have a look if they're interested And, and I love what you said around embracing the mess 
I think most people would tend to try and avoid the mess because it's hard and it's difficult and it's sticky and it's messy. Yeah. And yet embracing the mess because it's going to happen it is a really positive thing. Uh, I remember, uh, I'd be interested in your take on this now. When we first met, one of the things that uh, attracted to me, attracted me to your thinking was you in the public forum talked about that framework and somebody challenged you on the word hope <laughs> and that it's a, it's a weak emotion. I, hadn't, I, not, I don't think they said that, but they challenged yeah. you that hope was such a weak thing to start with. And I thought you answered it beautifully. How do you answer the skeptic that says hope? Well, that's just so weak. Find me a human that doesn't have it. Like there is not a human in the world that would survive without hope. We all need it. And corporates will spin that hope is not a plan. Sure, it's not a plan. I'm not suggesting it is a plan. But you have to have belief in something that you cannot see, a hope for a better future, a desire that's going to call you and drive you to create something that might make a meaningful contribution for you, your family, those that you care about. And I think if you find me a human without hope, you'll find them in despair. Mm. And despair is an incredibly power less emotion and those mm. in despair don't create positive change they are in a worse than survival state mm. so yeah hope is not by any stretch a plan but it is not by any means a weak word i uh, will always associate that word with you oh thank you and i came across a distinction that i felt is speaking into that space recently was the difference between active hope and passive hope Mm, passive hope sounds a little bit like i'm going to cross my fingers and hope mm. whereas active hope sounds like it's doing what you've su suggested have a picture of what could be you know do something about moving towards that vision of what love that be. distinction yeah that really helps yeah love it so glenn i'm, I'm conscious of we, we <laughs> uh, what seems to be happening on these conversations with people I, I connect with people that i like and enjoy having a conversation with and I go it's going to be about 20 minutes and then <laughs> An hour later, we got oh, we better we better pause. Um, I've got a couple of final questions, if you wouldn't mind. Um, what's your hope for your future? My hope is that I keep continuing to choose alignment to my heart and to not lose my head in the pursuit of that. Great answer. And and final question. And then I'll maybe just do some short questions. What do you stand for now? Myself. Yeah, myself. I, I, wish, I wish people could see the picture of you saying that <laughs> and how much energy and acceptance and love is coming from your face. Thank you. Yeah, I do. I feel, yeah, that's what I stand for now. Uh, Glenn, uh, I normally finish with kind of five quick fire questions. So yeah. you didn't know these were coming. So please give us the first <laughs> response from your heart. Okay. Um, are you more sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Okay. What's a maxim you live your life by? Live your truth. What's the last movie you cried at? Oh, last, I think it was the last letter from your lover. Movie. what's something you've let go 
Oh, that's a hard one. I've let go of the need to be seen as a success. Cool. And final question, apart from your own books, because I know you've got a couple, what's another book that's changed your life? Actually, uh, Kamal Ravikant's Live Your Truth. Yeah, it's a small book. Random people have hardly heard of him. He's a, he's a tech entrepreneur in Silicon Valley, um, but wrote this spiritual book for his own little awakening. And yeah, it really started my path to going, yeah, what is me living my truth, which is where the maxim also came from. Wow. Glenn, it's been a pleasure and enlightening and energizing having a chat with you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing everything about your heart that you were willing to share. Thank you so much, Pete. And what an expert conversationalist you are. Such an absolute joy. And thank you for listening so intently and asking me the, the curly questions that got me thinking. It's been a really valuable chat. Thank you. You're welcome. Cheers.